Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the podcast based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guide. This is the ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive's author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby, and your host, DJ Payne. G'day and welcome to episode 71 on Thrive Deeper. It's your host, DJ Payne here. And on this week's episode, I sit down with our good friend, Dr. Matthew Jacoby, and we go through the second letter we have from the Apostle Peter, from the big guy himself. We go through Second Peter on this week's episode. I also have a very special offer for you, a way that you can help us help some people in need. I want to tell you about that halfway through today's episode. Keep on listening all the way to the end because... The end has a bit of a treat on this week's episode. I'm not going to say too much about it, but we get a little bit musical. Oh, I've said too much already. All right, let's get into it. Second Peter on Thrive Deeper, episode 71. Thank you so much for downloading. Enjoy. It's always a struggle for me to try to work out in my mind, when I've got my show notes, I always try to think of a intro bit for us to talk about yeah. before we actually get into the content itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that's, what I mean? That's good, yeah. That's yeah, fine. but I can't think of anything today. So I'm throwing it to you. Give me an intro bit, Matt, or this entire bit here will be the intro bit <laughs> of us not knowing what to talk about for the intro bit. <laughs> Getting very meta here. Okay, let me think. <laughs> Um, okay, I've got a question for you. I've got a question okay. for you. In your, you know, you wear so many different hats, mm. okay? Pastor, uh, main teaching pastor of, you know, the One Hope mm. organization, mm. Sons of Cora, mm. professor. At, is, is that your proper role, professor? They call oh, it lecturer. Professor? We just lecturer. call ourselves lecturers. Lecturers, yeah. okay. Lecturer, lecturer at the uh, Melbourne School of Theology. Um, you know, author. Um, you know, dad, father, you know, all the other stuff mm. that you are. Mm. But in your official capacity roles, and now a podcaster apparently with, you know, with me here, <laughs> um, what type of feedback do you get about the podcast uh, and uh, in comparison to everything else that you do? Uh, well, the the podcast, this podcast, yes. uh, plays a, a um, actually important role for me, like I feel, I feel that um, it enables me. It it, cr- it creates, uh, I guess, a um, mechanism to work through these books of the Bible, yeah, and to say a whole lot of things about, and to teach a whole lot of things about these these books of the Bible that perhaps I would otherwise try to cram into sermons on, on Sunday, but increasingly. Um, what I'm wanting to do is just fly a bit, like fly a bit higher hmm. uh, on Sundays. So is this the lower? Is this the lower? Well, well, no, I mean, no. By fly a bit higher, I mean a bit of bigger perspective. Yeah, I'm joking. I'm joking. In a more apl- application sort of way. But actually, I mean, th- this has been a great mechanism uh, to actually connect people with more in-depth Bible study, which is so so important. I mean, I, I the importance. To my walk with God and my faith of knowing God's word, knowing and understanding the scriptures, mm. I, I just can't overstate that mm. how important it is. I mean, so um, 
and and I state that against the backdrop of the fact that I, I just feel that pe- that people just put it in the too hard bus. It's not you know oh, it's not uh, it's not that it's like this optional extra. You mm. can get to know scripture if if you want, but if mm. it's not your thing, mm. no. Like God is speaking to us through scripture. It's like and and I I think sometimes and this is. This, I think, is going to segue well with what we're going to talk about today because uh, this talks about uh, the importance of, of Scripture. Um, uh, in, in 2 Peter 1, it says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. Prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Um, I think... W- Sometimes I think we feel like oh, I just want God to speak to me. It's like you know, out of the heavens. But what? And, and that's great. And 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 God, you know, God does speak and guide us by His Holy Spirit in our hearts every day, all the time. I mean, God's speaking to us all the time. Mm. The thing is, like when, as Christians, we have joined a family discussion that's been going on for thousands of years. Yeah. Okay. Mm. So um, let's say you walk in a discussion, right? Because it's not just about me. It's not just about you. It's about us. That's yes. something that's we've got to get into the heads of people all the time in our individualistic yeah. culture. We're so, part of a bigger story. Yeah, we are part of a bigger story Much and a bigger, bigger conversation, right? So if you walk into a conversation that's been going on, just let's say for hours over a topic, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to sit up to the side. And you're going to think, I don't know what's going on here. It's like your ability to actually join that conversation is going to be severely, severely limited. And and I know a lot of people, oh, I want to hear from God. I want to hear from God. Right, then read scripture. Because actually one of the reasons I think we don't hear from God by his spirit in our hearts is because we don't we don't have a framework like a conceptual framework a narrative framework a conceptual framework that we get from reading scripture mm-hmm. to actually sort of receive that through in a sense you know what i mean or to 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 um uh, uh what's the word to to make intelligible mm. the things that god wants to you know guide us in and show us and speak to us about so reading scripture isn't like just just one way in which god speaks to us it's a it's the foundational way that enables god yes. to speak to us every day by his spirit it's yeah. like it 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 brings us into this discussion. It's like, in a way, it's like learning the language of I about, God. I was about to say the it's same It's like thing. learning a language, right? And when the, when the, we the, read scripture, you're learning the conceptual and narrative framework oh, you, of God through which then God can speak to us every day. I, I could have you preach and talk about this all day long because you are singing <laughs> my song here because that this is my experience. I feel like as... As a child who who came to faith when I was like six, seven years mm. old, I, my whole life, now that I'm 47 years old, so for the last 40 years of my life, mm. has been learning the language of God, you yeah. know, and, yeah. and, and the language of God is God's word. Yeah. And when I say the language of God, again, I don't want to pick on anybody's doctrines or beliefs here or stuff like that. I know when people talk about languages or they talk about things like that, they immediately think about different spiritual gifts and stuff like that. I'm not going down that pathway. I'm talking about the language that the Spirit of God uses Mm. in my life are the stories of God. Mm. And as I continually read them and continually marinate or or meditate in them, Mm. I feel that my life patterns... And I see mm. patterns in my life and examples in my life that that is like 
is like a rhythm yeah. that 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 yeah. I I didn't know existed yeah. until this stage of my life and yeah. still this many years in yeah. and I'm and and it's at a point where I'm like man if I'm this many years in and I feel like I'm constantly just yeah. getting it yeah. This is going to be for the rest of eternity. Yeah, like this, I'm going to be sitting in this marvelous yeah. thing for the rest of eternity. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And yeah. and I think, uh, you know, to answer that original question, every pretty much everything that I do at different levels relates in some way to what really I see my central calling, and that is being a teacher of the word. I mean, I, I in and in in various ways, whether and and I do this at different levels, and 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 I use different mechanisms to do this. And this is one mechanism, you know, the thrive. Uh, Bible reading guide, the, yes. the booklets are another mechanism. Uh, you know, when I preach at church on Sundays, when I'm, uh, I mean, the music as well is really just a mechanism for reflecting on God's word. Uh, even, I mean, you know, interestingly, my, uh, at at doctoral level, my, my qualifications are in philosophy, but my interest in philosophy is a lot, was a lot about, um, you know, attaining a level of critical thinking to enable us to think more biblically. You know, and and to to recognise where you know where we're perhaps taken on non-biblical ways of thinking and critiquing those and learning to think uh, and have what Scripture refers to more the mind of Christ. Yeah, and I think and you summed it up before. This is a great introduction to the second book from the Apostle Peter. So we've just spent the last two episodes, sixty-nine, seventy uh, of of the Thrive Deeper podcast, talking about this uh, first epistle this first letter from yeah. uh, from Peter from the Apostle Peter this is Simon Peter the fisherman uh, from Galilee the one that uh, you know Jesus called and was one of the leader of the disciples and then became one of the leaders of Ro- of the Roman mm. Church um, you know uh, of the early church in Rome there as, as one of the Jewish leaders there and uh, we finally get his two letters I and mean, now we get his second letter this well, second letter well this is interesting because th- there's a lot of uh, debate over uh, over this letter, yeah, um, is it you know was it really written by um, by Peter? Now I think it was, yes, and I think a, an argument can be made uh, for the fact that it was. I mean, for a start, it begins Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Like Pretty so, clear. it clearly yep. uh, it clearly says that it is. Now straight away, I'm inclined to take that. On trust, right now, there's two. There are two ways that you can approach uh, scripture. You can approach it with a, a posture of suspicion, yes, or a posture of trust. I mean, the the method that you choose, in some ways, is going to determine your outcome. Now, uh, for some, and I've talked about this before, for some, the text is guilty until it's we can prove it innocent. Yeah. For me, the text is innocent until it can be proved guilty. So do we have sufficient reason to doubt that Peter wrote this? Now, some of the things that people talk about are the fact that the style is very different. The language is very different uh, to the first uh, epistle of Peter. Now, that, that, I mean, we know Peter's getting really old at this stage. Yes. And so... Almost definitely using a scribe. Yeah, and he's, he was and he was using a scribe in the first. Book he was as using well. a scribe in the first place, so this could be a different scribe. Yeah, uh, and so, uh, so it's quite possible that the scribe uh, is um, is articulating things that Peter. Yeah, like Peter's kind of teaching, but the scribe is actually there's a, there's a level of um, 
of artistic license that's gi- that is given yeah. to the scribe. So it's not just a passive scribe, mm. but quite an active scribe mm. that is putting these things down that accounts for the different... But ultimately, this is the product of yeah. Peter. Peter yeah. is the authority behind this. Now, the other thing is... Um, uh, that he refers to the writings of Paul at, at one mm. point. I don't yeah. know if you recall. He yeah, refers yeah. to the writings in chapter of three. Paul in chapter uh, in uh, chapter three of Second Peter. Yeah. He, he refers to one of my favourite passages where he talks about the the writings of Paul. Yeah. Look, some of it, some of the doctrine. Look, it's I, I confess yeah, a little right. bit hard to understand. He does. Uh, he's yeah. talking. You know, Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom. God gave you speaking of these things in all of his letters. Some of his comments are hard to understand as those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something yeah. quite different, but just as they do with other parts of Scripture. So straight away, the Apostle Paul is calling the writings of Peter, of the, sorry, the Apostle Peter, Peter yeah. is calling the letters of Paul Scripture. Yeah, that's right. You know. And so some people say, well, this is a later development. I mean, this is, you know, this... this um, presupposes that the writings of Paul have been collected into one big group and have been recognized as scripture. Well no, uh, it doesn't actually. No, no, it doesn't. Yeah. It just it just requires that he is he is conscious of some of Paul's writings. Yeah. And as we know, Paul himself was very conscious of the fact that he was writing under the inspiration of the Spirit. Mm. Okay. So uh so I just a lot of the arguments against Peter's authorship, to me there are perfectly reasonable explanations uh, that account for those differences. Now, yes. if you if you follow the uh, principle of guilty until proven innocent, yeah. <laughs> well, okay, uh, you, you you know you, you're going to end up with doubts yes. about uh, Peter's authorship. Yeah. But if if we take the other route and say, well, I'm going to trust what I've received because to doubt. Uh, to doubt that this is written by Peter means to assume that there's that there's something deceptive essentially about this. Like mm. the, because pseudonymous authorship, and again I made this point with respect to First Peter. Pseudonymous yeah. authorship, which is writing what, a letter under another name. Uh, yeah. Well, no. Sorry. Uh, was was writing producing writings under someone else's name, like yes. the wisdom of Solomon. Okay. Yes. But we don't have any examples of letters being pseudonymously written as an accepted form in that day. No. So even in the first century, while pseudonymous writing was a thing, it wasn't a thing with letters, okay? So it would be deceptive in the first century as today to write a letter in someone else's name. And the fact that these letters were taken up, you know, delivered by people, circulated, I, I I, I just can't see how that could have happened uh, if this was not Peter. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Okay, so we've, we've got the second letter from Peter here, three, uh, you know, uh, powerful uh, chapters here, you know, really short letter. And um, it, it starts off, you know, with with a uh, with a theme here that we've, we've pretty much been echoing as we've been talking about, you know, our passion for this podcast, is that Peter pretty much lays out that we should be growing in our faith and the big part of growing in our faith is paying attention to scripture. Yeah, that's right. You know, by paying yeah. attention to scripture, we will grow in our faith. Yeah. I mean, the, look, I think it, the, the New Testament would say that more if it weren't so taken for granted. Yeah. You know, it, it's just, it's so taken for granted by uh, by these people because in the Jewish tradition, you know, there's that mosaic um, 
uh, imperative in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6 after the Shema. Mm. It is Deuteronomy 6, isn't it? Yeah. Um, where, where it talks about tying, you know, these things, write them on your doors, talk yeah. about them at your tables, uh, you know, wear them on your heads. Like just, in other words, be absolutely steeped in Scripture. It's mm. such a, you know, it's so... Um, Fundamental to to the Judea, to the Jewish tradition, right? Yes. So, so it's like it's taken for granted that, of course, you're going to be absolutely thoroughly steeped yeah. in the scriptures. And this was a time before we have the kind of resources, even oh. printed resources that we have today. Yeah. So if they managed it then, we have no excuse today. That's it. For That's it. And, I, I, and he pre- and Peter pretty much echoes that type of. Exactly what you were quoting there from Deuteronomy. He's echoing the New Testament version of that in verses 12 and onwards where he says, I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth that you've been taught. And it's only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. And he's like, he's talking about this repetitive nature that we keep on living in this truth and telling each other about this truth. Yeah, that's right. You know, another another point to make here. A a lot of uh, people who... Ultimately, and I think in a previous episode we we just addressed this sort of phenomena of, of you know people turning away from from their faith and mm. you know even renouncing their faith and often it comes down to um, uh, doubts about the Bible you know like the Bible says all these unpalatable kind of things and contradicts itself and you know all of these ideas about the Bible and that really comes from not really understanding the Bible to be honest you know it's like um, there, there are an, a lot of things in the Bible that are going to be really, really difficult if you just continue just to have a real cursory knowledge of the Bible. Mm-hmm. But the more you understand Scripture, the more you understand how those sections fit into an unfolding revelation. So this, this, you know, because I mean, the, the Scripture is a very dynamic book. It's this unfolding revelation, this unfolding narrative. And the more you understand that, the more you understand how the bits yeah. fit in. The more yeah. you understand the thing itself. So, I, I think the more we understand Scripture, um, you know, the more confidence we can have actually in Scripture. A lot of the, I think, a lack of um, confidence, a lot of doubts are raised from just having a, a cursory. Um, knowledge of the Bible. Anyway, look, that's my no, no, no. That's my little rant. You no, know, no, I, your rant is right on track because I think you're following uh, Peter's train of thought here. Because Peter goes from chapter one talking about, you know, the importance of Scripture, the importance of 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 continually yeah. living in that truth, and then from chap into chapter two. He yep. goes, I believe he's going exactly on what you were just talking about there. Yep. He goes, now this is false prophets. Now there was false prophets yep. in Israel. These destructive yep. teachers are going to try to take you away from the truth. And I believe yep. that some of those issues that you're saying, this ungroundedness in scripture yeah. leaves us vulnerable for yeah. false teachers today. Yeah. Gee, he really he really gets stuck into them, doesn't he? <laughs> like, well, bring it on, I, let's go. When I read this, I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. oh. Like yeah. he just puts in the knife and 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 i think it just underscores like either you think oh man peter's really um like this is just too harsh mm. but you can only think that if you if you think that knowing the truth isn't really that important that's it uh and it in fact it's so important that we um adopt a correct and biblical worldview mm. that this problem uh of uh, false, t- you know that his harshness towards these uh, false teacher, 
it's like within that that, it, that this kind of harshness makes sense. So, you know, the the thing is here is that if it's almost like um, these teachers come in and they completely undermine the foundation, the foundational knowledge through which God speaks into our lives. It's like what what it's like you know. This is the shrewdness of the devil, right? I, I, I want to completely thwart your growth. So how am I going to do that? I'm going to, um, I'm going to step in between God's ability to speak to you. Yeah. Well, I mean, or, or at least your ability to receive from God. Let me yes. put it that way around. Yes, yes. Uh, God can speak. Yeah, God can, can speak. He's not limited. But, but certainly, um, you know, by shaking that foundation, introducing lots of. Um, uh, erroneous ideas uh, that almost um, grubby up the lens, so to speak, with which we right, yes. with which we think about our faith. Yep. If if you know if the devil can grubby up that lens, then everything gets seen that's through a, a distorted lens, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the problem here. And so he this is where, you know, Peter just keeps pointing back to the uh, to the Tanakh, the the Scriptures as they had it in that day, but also the apostolic teaching, yes, um, as well. That this we need to build, we need to keep coming back to this, get to know it really well, and measure everything by it. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. This is this is fantastic. Chapter two really, really gets into it. And there's another, you know, really quickly. Let's touch on this quickly because I, I think we need to get back into what he says about false teachers because he spends mm. a lot of this chapter talking about it. Yeah. But he goes into chapter four, um, which I think almost sorry, chapter four, verse chapter, four of chapter two. Okay. It, we we spent a long a lot of time of last episode talking about this idea of the harrowing of hell, of Christ descending yeah. and going into there. It's almost like Peter heard people asking the same question okay. back then, going, "Peter, what were you talking about?" And he spends a bit of of chapter yeah. two, verse four and onwards, talking a little bit more, expanding a little bit more about it. And I think it, I think for what you said of what our understanding of it in a, in the evangelical world today, I think it sort of weighs up with what he says yeah. here in verse 4 saying, you know, God didn't even spare the angels who sinned. He threw them into hell in the gloomy pits of darkness where they were being held until the day of judgment. God not did not spare the yeah. ancient world. I know it's a different point that he's making, mm. but he's, he brings up those same things of the, the, the angels who fell, the angels who were in judgment, and that Noah and the seven others of his family were considered righteous and protected. And he, he sort of brings up yeah. those same sort of points. Um, yeah, ver- verse 4 is uh, is interesting, isn't it? Because, yeah. um, you know, again, remember I talked about in the last episode about the way that Peter constantly projects out of the now into the future that yes. God is bringing about. Now, now, a key element of that future that he talks about, and this is really a consistent theme between these two letters, is the future judgment, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and when is this, you know, when is God going to bring judgment? Well, he assures us he is. Now, this, what he's saying here is that, like, judgment is still future. And so those who those who die in their sins now are held for judgment, even these evil angels. Yeah. So this is actually talking about what theologians, I don't know if you've heard this term, um, what theologians refer to as the intermediate state. Yes. Have you heard that term yes, before? Yes, yeah. Yes, yes. So the intermediate state is this is this state between now and when the final judgment is. Because there's there, clearly there is we have you know when we die now we 
if um, if we belong to Jesus, we uh, we go to be with the Lord, right? Yes. Paul talks about you know I, you know, casting off the tent of this body and being with the Lord, or being yeah. now, you know. Um, so we do spiritually we, we go to be with the Lord, but as we know, um, the final state, according to scriptural teaching, is not a disembodied state. Mm. The final state is that of the resurrection of our bodies and living in a new heavens and a new earth, right? Um, so this disembodied state of going spiritually, our souls go to heaven to be with the Lord. That's what we refer to as the intermediate state because we await the resurrection, the, the great final, day of the yeah. resurrection, okay? Yeah. Uh, and, and of the judgment when we will be vindicated, finally vindicated. And, yeah. and when, uh, when those who reject Christ... Uh, will be, uh, you know, will be left to be uh, yes. condemned. Yep. So, um, uh, so there is this idea that when we die, we we there's this kind of heavenly existence or hellish existence, depending on our response mm. to God in mm. this life. Uh, but it's not the final state mm. and so therefore it's referred to as the intermediate state so this is what he's talking about here when he says for if god did not spare angels when they sinned but sent them to hell putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment mm. he's talking about this intermediate period yeah yeah and of course he's doing that the point of him doing that is saying if god does this to them and this to them then certainly these false teachers god's going to deal with them right now just because god isn't uh, zapping them with lightning right now, yes. don't just automatically assume that they're right. Yeah. And and even for that matter, just because, because again, I mean, Jesus warns against false teachers coming and doing signs and wonders even. Uh, it's like, don't just assume that they're not false prophets even if they do signs and wonders, right? It's like uh, it, it comes back to us actually discerning the things that come out of their mouths and, and, and whether uh, that is consistent with you know with biblical teaching so that's uh, that's the key so the key thing that he brings this back to is the fact that uh god is going to deal with these people he might not be doing it now but he's going to deal with them one day G'day family, it's DJ here and uh, I want to quote to you from Jesus himself. In Matthew 25, 36, Jesus tells us, I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Why am I quoting the book of Matthew? Well, it's all to do with you sponsoring a prison subscription to the Thrive Daily Reading Guide. Through your help, we can support chaplains in prisons around Australia and New Zealand get thousands of copies of Thrive into their networks. For $16, you can provide four copies of each and every issue of Thrive into our prisons for the next 12 months. We recently got a message from a lady in Townsville. I can't tell you her name, but this is what she told us. I spent nearly two years at the Townsville Women's Correctional Centre, awaiting a trial on fraud charges. I began reading Thrive pretty much as soon as I got there. 
As a 52-year-old middle-class white woman with no previous criminal record, prison was a terrifying place. But reading devotionals like Thrive and My Bible, of course, brought me to the feet of Jesus, where I finally surrendered to him. And life has never been the same since that day. It's still a roller coaster, but now that I know the Lord, I know that no matter what it looks like, he will always work all things together for my good. Always. Praise his mighty name. We get notes and letters from that from the prison ministry that we do here at Thrive today. So please, if you can sponsor a prison subscription, head over to Thrive Today. .net.au. That's thrivetoday.net.au. It's only $16 for four copies of every Thrive to go into a prison. We really appreciate your support. Head over to thrivetoday.net.au. Now back to the episode. You're on Thrive Deeper, episode 71. It's DJ here with Matthew Jacoby, and we are talking about the second letter from the Apostle Peter. We're in chapter two, and chapter two, uh, you know... It's getting heavy, isn't it? It gets heavy. (laughs) This gets heavy. And I like this heaviness. You know me. I'm conscious of the fact that I'm speaking matter-of-factly about some really heavy stuff. I mean, just been, you know, before the break, talking about heaven and hell, and it's like, whoa, man, these are heavy concepts and he's just getting started but he you know the whole point is in a context where he's saying false teaching is a really really big deal like it's really problematic and and this is this is you know we can talk a little bit because he spends the, re- the next half of yeah, chapter I should 2 qualify that you know it's not like false teaching isn't someone who just disagrees with say your millennial view mm-hmm. or your view of you know the days of creation no. in genesis or these these kind of gray, you know gray air, disputed areas i mean this is you know the, the false teachers here, if you put this together, yeah. uh, the false teachers that he's talking about, um, for example, it's clear here that they denied the second coming of Christ. Yes. They were denying the second coming of Christ. Now, yeah, and it's, it's pretty clear. He sets it up, and I think it's so, it's so funny that the same issues that were facing the very first earliest church yeah. and the Apostle Peter mm. are the same issues that we're facing today in 2019. Yeah. And I think he lays it out clearly what these issues are. You know, they are denying the master who brought them, yeah. you know, type of thing. They are, um, you know, uh, full of immorality. They are greedy and want to get a hold of people's money. Yeah. And it goes on from there to talking about, you know, they uh, they are... Uh, you know, he mentions that they have a twisted sexual desire. Yeah. Um, they despise other people's authority and yeah. lift up their own. And then that was him. That was Peter getting started. That was Peter laying <laughs> yeah, the groundwork. And then from there, he went goes on saying that they are proud, arrogant. They scoff at you know different people's beliefs. They are false teachers. Are like unthinking animals. And then he yeah, goes. Yeah. And then he really he basically pulls out both guns as an as yeah, an apostle. Yeah. And lets them have it, have it, talking about them 
as if they are following the footsteps of Balaam yeah. from the Old Testament. Going yeah. back to one of the earliest stories yeah. that we have, uh, and he, my goodness, mm. my goodness, is if if people were standing up and preaching like this in pulpits today, yeah. I think people would be shutting down Peter pretty quickly and saying, "Mate, that's pretty unloving and judging of you." <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? That's, yeah, yeah, I think so. And and I, you know, he. Um, uh, this is this is uh, a crucial issue for him because it is. I mean, this is a very crucial stage uh, in 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 the history of the church. But I mean, every stage is crucial, isn't it? Mm, mm. Um, and there there is this sort of polarized um, character to the New Testament teaching. They just don't pull punches, um, and I think that this grates perhaps against. Um, Look, I mean, I think it's I think it's important that we are sensitive and that we are tactful in the ways that we do things. Um, you know, he's talking to Christians. Yes. We should say this. You know, yeah. like he's talking to Christians and he's talking about false teachers who are clearly their motives are clearly distorted. They're doing this for money. They're exploiting God's people. There, you know. So these are really bad guys yeah. that are infiltrating the church. Now Jesus always said that this would happen. These talks about wolves will come amongst you in in sheep's clothing. But we, so again, but this isn't this isn't just people that disagree with your particular slant on this and, and or that doctrine. And, and, and agreed. We're not saying. We're, and again, I don't think anybody wants to stand up and say, "Listen, because you don't believe in a literal this yeah. or." You know the exact seven years and the seventh seventieth year yeah. of Daniel, and you don't agree exactly in my interpretation. Yeah. I don't think anybody wants to stand up there and, and call anybody, you know, uh, uh, useless, dried up springs and and you know animals and everything like that. Yeah. But I do think we're we're very scared today in the church of the mm. West to stand up and say, "There's a person preaching with a best selling book." On a with a television mm. show mm. and a radio broadcast, and they're teaching some stuff mm. that I think is obviously they're wanting people's money. Obviously, they've got false teaching out there. Obviously, they're being very mm. greedy about this. We're very scared to name names or put a put a finger on anybody. Yeah, and there's something, um, like I guess, part of that is that we don't want to judge. Mm. But this is where we get we get confused between being judgmental and being discerning. Like we're not meant to judge, but we are meant to be discerning. Yeah. So we live in a culture where it's kind of politically incorrect to say that something's true and something's false. Mm. It's like everyone's right. Everyone's true. Your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. And if that truth makes you happy, then that's fine for you. That's kind of the culture that we live in. And I think we buy into that perhaps and, and we perhaps feel unwilling to say, no, I disagree with that. Yeah. That I believe is false and wrong. Yeah. Um, I think we need to be allowed to say that. I yeah. think we should be able to say that. It's not. It's not judgmental. I think judgmental is when we. Um, uh, what, 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 well, let me ask you. What do you think is the difference between being judgmental and being discerning? I, I, without sounding like um, uh, you know, and again, the fur, the furthest thing from me, if you get to know me, the furthest the furthest thing from me is an old hippie, you know, type of thing or that type of mentality. But a dear friend of ours recently, uh, you, you know, was I was talking to, and um, you know, a, a dear you know believer in Christ and. We ended up talking about some things that that I consider to be false teaching, yeah, 
and he considers to be edifying at the moment. Okay. And I said, I, I, you know, hardly disagree with you. On a good day, I'm a discerning person, and yeah. this is what I think the scripture says. Yeah. On a bad day, you could say I'm being judgmental, but yeah. that's I don't think I am, because my longing is for you to be edified in the right teaching, mm. and for and for Christ to be glorified in the truth here. Yeah. And I see the motivations for these teachers to be totally of the earth and setting themselves yeah, up for yeah. kingdoms here now, yeah. and boasting and money and all these things that I think we're yeah. being warned about. What Peter warns about. And he and he said, he he listened and he took it in, and then he said, "Yeah, but don't be careful of your negative energy." And again, that's such a hippie <laughs> thing to say, your negative energy. And I really took it on the chin. I took it in the right way, and I said, "No, I don't want to be the person that walks out of the room after I've told you this, and you're left feeling like yeah. a negative energy in the room." Yeah, yeah. I want to tell you these things, and I want to lift up Christ. And I want to walk out the room and I want you to feel like a positive energy because that's the feeling I get from Peter here. Peter lets him have it, but he he leaves the space here in the book for glorifying Christ and you see the motivation why he does it. I guess that's my roundabout answer of saying a judgmental attitude is one that is I'm trying to be right or win an argument Mm. or tick that box for myself for some sort of self-righteous reason. For me, I don't want to be seen as that. Mm. I want to be seen as discerning. And the reason why I think Peter is so passionate about it and why sometimes I get so passionate about these false teachers is because I see them distracting away from the glory of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think, I mean, like I would say, you know, the difference is between being discerning about what people teach and saying, no, I think that's wrong and, you know, making judgments about their motives perhaps or their now in some cases um the 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 heart is known by its fruit you know what i mean now in this is a case where there's clear exploitation yes and it's happened right so that the 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 fruit has been the bad fruit has been clearly seen and that's what he refers to Mm. uh to justify uh his uh his case so there are some cases where we have to say there's really bad fruit here this person is this is a wolf in sheep's clothing um uh, I think, um, but the, the other thing to make clear is is someone who uh, perhaps um, takes on false teaching isn't necessarily a false teacher. No, you know oh. what I mean. So it's, it, it isn't necessarily the the object of of Peter's denunciations here, because yes. you know sometimes you know sometimes we get just get drawn into bad ideas, right? Mm. Mm. And hopefully, eventually, we work our way out of those. Now, here is where I would suggest I want to make a here's some practical advice. Love it. If if you have adopted you know a view and you feel like really like oh I reckon this is the case, don't put it on Facebook. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like because you could be wrong, and if you are wrong, you've just you've just spread that on on the media. Like uh, have your controversial views, but if you have a controversial view, keep it to yourself. Yeah, you know maybe. Discuss it with people that, and this is me coming from the academic uh, background. This is one of the, the very healthy practices in academic circles. Yeah. Is if I have an idea that is controversial or, or is different to, the, I will put that on the table and invite people to throw rocks at it. Like I want to put this idea on the table, test this idea, yeah. and I get wise people around, and I say, 
what do you think of this idea? And I let them, uh, I let them critique my idea. Yeah. Now, often what happens is that people take on uh, a dodgy idea and then only go to sources that confirm that bad idea. That idea. Hundred you know. percent. Yeah. Um, so, um, okay. So here's what, what I would suggest: <laughs> if you know, if you've come up with some idea that is perhaps a bit controversial or a bit unsure of or that perhaps is liable to be criticised by other Christians, go to other Christians and hear what they've got to say about that. Take that on board. Uh, Go to people who would be more informed than you about that and actually seek some wise counsel. Don't start by putting it on Facebook. And, and looking for the likes. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and looking, looking, looking for, for the, the applause. Yeah. yeah, or starting an argument that's going to get any, nowhere. And I, I, I would put one caveat. I agree 100% with everything that you've just said, Matt, and that's such a healthy way of thinking. One caveat on top of that is go to the people that you know and, and pray about it. Ask God to bring these people into your life or or, or to, for him to show you which people to go to. And go to the people that you know know the Word of God yeah. better than anybody because you want people who are going to shine that spotlight of God's word hard on that idea yeah. and show up any, you know, really get in there and get yeah. stuck into it and see if there's any flaws in that thinking, yeah. flaws in that thing. And, uh, you know, go to a few different people. Go to go to, go to to people with different views on it. Yeah. And that's the often thing for things, you know, and you and I will often yeah. off microphone yeah. around controversial yeah. issues that we have differences yeah. of opinion on. We will throw out these ideas. We will go through it with scripture, and uh, not to try to convince one another mm. of an argument, yeah. but really just to try to sharpen each other's oh, thinking yeah. around it. And I, and I love the fact that we often come with slightly different perspectives. You know, mm. I mean, you come with the wrong one, and I come with the right one. But, but <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yeah>. I'm, <laughs> no, contra- I'm contractually allowed to. Yeah. But, 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 you know, but I, I have to like, let you say that. Like that that process is is really you know is actually really important. You yeah. know. It's important that we keep this relational, keep these processes relational. Like we're all learning here, yeah. And um, and we need to um, lean into that process, lean into critique, lean into the wisdom and critique of others. And, and this is important. and this is where the modern day culture and the modern day of, wa- of way of young people getting taught, I think, is distracting us from this because a lot of times we're we're being told that whatever we don't like to hear or make or challenges us makes us feel unsafe or challenged or triggered and yeah. we should only go to like-minded thinking. Yeah. And this is the problem with a lot of media we have around us today that it's so easy to live in the echo chamber of a yeah. particular opinion, yeah. a particular worldview, a particular political worldview, spiritual yeah. worldview. It's so hard for us yeah. to find another, you know, challenging idea. Yeah. I just even as some people say, "Oh, you know, I put this idea up there because it's a, you know, where we use a social media platform as like a discussion platform." Platform, mm. and I just I just don't see that platform as a good discussion platform, really, because no. it's not it's 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 a bad communication mechanism, yes. essentially. You can't read people's tones. Yeah, someone might be being totally sarcastic, yeah. and you're taking it seriously. Yeah. So I and it's, I, it's I so you know you you limit you're so limited in so many ways. Um, mm. Yeah. All right, let's wrap this up. Let's wrap up this episode. We've got chapter three here of Second Peter. Second Peter chapter three. Peter pretty much talks a lot about the day of the Lord is coming. Yeah. You know, uh, he's you know he starts off by saying, listen, listen, this is the second letter to you, my dear friends. He goes on talking about how you know uh, you know. Well, he says he says they're scoffing. 
Yeah. Uh, and they're saying, you know, where is this coming? Yes. It's not happening. Yeah. You know, so, so that's one of the, I mean, th- and this is where they're really denying a fundamental mm. of the faith. They are denying the return of Christ in a final judgment. And yes. that is a, that's a fundamental uh, element uh, of the faith. So I, I love his, um, I love his response. And, and I'll read this here. Um, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. Mm. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. Um, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And I'll, I'll read on because this is a really interesting section. Yeah. It says here, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it, everything done in it will be laid bare. So he says, Since... Everything will be destroyed in this way. What kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the, el- the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Mm. Now, this, um, this section has often been misunderstood to be teaching this sort of platonic view of the final disintegration of all physical uh of the physical space-time universe right but um it's what is pictured here this is not the the bible doesn't teach an end of the universe Mm. as such Mm. um it's a renewal yeah it's a renewal it's like this is a purging here uh that he's talking about um because he's talking about heaven, he's talking about heaven as well. Like he's yeah. not just talking about the earth. This is the thing here. We can miss this. He's talking about the heavens and the earth, um, and elements being destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Right. Yeah. So the idea here is this purging of the heavens and the earth, yeah. and the big, the big issue. And this is an important worldview thing throughout Scripture, that there is a sense in Genesis that heaven and earth are completely unified. Um, so th- almost a sense that the earth is like a kind of a physical dimension, as it were, of heaven, that, that the physical universe is like a physical dimension of, of, of heaven, mm. f- for lack of better explanation. Yes, yes. But there's this sense that the two are one. Okay. Mm, mm. Now what happens after the fall, you get this separation mm. between heaven and and earth. It's like the language, it's like up in heaven and down on earth. And the mm. two realms are seen as some way disconnected, ad- ad- disconnected you yeah. know, on earth as it is in heaven. You know, mm. we pray, mm. your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, mm. initially, of course, heaven is dis- described as the place where God's will is is absolutely dominant, you yeah. know, and, and, uh, and everything is ordered according to God's will. But you get this sense of separation, okay? And what happens in the end, is the bringing together of heaven and earth again. It's not the destruction of earth and the resolution in a state of just heavenly, disembodied, non-corporeal existence, yes. but uh, but the bringing together of heaven and earth as in the beginning. That's important to a biblical worldview. And um, that we understand that one day we will be resurrected resurrection bodies, bodies Mm. that are in every sense physical. God created the physical universe, said that it's good. Uh, We we don't deny or uh, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Denigrate. Denigrate. um, Physical existence. Yes. 
That's important because that is a that is a that denigration of physical existence was a characteristic of Greek philosophy, and, and the New Testament is very careful to counter that. Yeah, uh, and and it's important that we that we don't denigrate. Physical existence is part of the way that God created things. I mean, it's it's also that this denigration of physical existence is also an aspect of a lot of Eastern religions. Yeah, you know uh, that that we need to disconnect from this physical world, and and no, actually, the Bible affirms physical existence. Yes. Um, and the long view of it is that one and physical day, pleasure, even yes. the physical pleasure that comes from that God created this earth to be something that we take pleasure in, you yes. know. Yes. And so, uh, I believe this is a much more robust spirituality that involves physical existence, that involves physical pleasure, that uh, that God is going to resolve things into a place where a heavenly existence is in every way. Yeah. A embodied earthly existence, but in terms of a new heavens and a new earth. And when we speak of a new heavens and a new earth, it's not like that those things will be separated, yes. but they will be, in a sense, one and the same thing, completely unified. Because we're taking this, and, and, and this is what I love that Peter does by the end of this chapter here, is Peter's basically teaching us how to read the Bible, Yeah, here, especially in a doctrine like this. Yeah, that's right. P- Peter basically says, listen, this is what we've taught you. We're going to remind you again. And now you go and compare this teaching and overlay it with other teaching, yeah. other scripture. He basically then, this is where we get the passage that we referred to about with Paul, where he says, remember, our Lord's patient gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. He mentions that as a scripture. But so the, so the mindset there is we take these types of teaching, we overlay it with the doctrines that other, we have in the rest of the scripture, and especially in something like this, we've got lessons from Paul. We've got lessons in, in mm. from John in Revelation mm. about what this is all about. And yeah, like you right. say, that the future con- future concern is that heaven. Yeah, that's a good point. Heaven yeah. comes to you know yeah. that heaven does come to earth. Yeah. Eventually, God's plan is to have it all together in this yeah. in this new reality. And, and I think that's a good point because Peter is adding his voice yes. to a bigger conversation, that's isn't it. he? Yeah, he's he's conscious of the fact that there that there are other teachings and there's a conscious effort to be in a state of unity with that uh, with that other teaching so you know this is um, uh, this again is part of this emphasis on the temporality of now but also this understanding that while now is temporal we shouldn't think that it's all going to be over immediately this you know he talks about scoffers saying where is this coming yeah well Hey, we're two over. You know, we're two thousand years. Uh, you know, uh, nearly two thousand years from the from this yes. time, and uh, certainly there is that possibility yeah. for people to say, "Well, look, if you Christians have been yeah, saying if this Jesus exactly. was going to come, he would have come yeah. by now." Well, I mean, Peter's perspective, I think, is important with the Lord. Mm. You know, a day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. Mm. So. Two thousand years is like two days. Let's not, you know, let's not, uh, let's not use a length of time or re- appeal to length of time to justify any doubts yeah. about the return of Christ. He is coming. Uh, he is going to bring about a final judgment. He's going to un- usher in a new heavens and a new earth, and it's all good news for those who have trusted 
in Christ. Now, I know you're just trying to wrap up there, Matt, and I want to I, I want to throw this in at the end here. I don't know if you're familiar with this song. I'll put a link to this song, but there's lyrics. I've got a, I've got I've got this song lyrics in my head by um, uh, Charlie Peacock. Uh, some people know who Charlie Peacock is. An amazing one. I consider one of the yeah. most amazing uh, living Christian singer songwriters, yeah, artists, and everything like that. Yeah. And he wrote a song called "Dear Friend," and this is this is right, inspired okay. from Second Peter. And he says, "Dear friend, there's a story going round." that says you're going to be married soon, but you've been saying that for years. There can be no wedding without a groom. You said he went away to make a place for you and him, and you know he's going to come back, but you just don't know when. Dear friends, he's not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness to be. So keep a watch out. Don't lose faith. He said he would come for you. He's going to come for you. You wait and see. You just wait and see. Dear friend, there's a story going round that says you're going to be married soon. But you've been saying that for years And there can be no wedding without a groom We said he went away To make a place for you and him Oh, you know he's gonna come back But you just don't know when Dear friend, he is not slow in Keeping his promises So, dear friend, people joke, they laugh, they make fun when they hear you talking about the groom is going to come. He's been gone a long, long time. Are there any doubts to confess? Do you ever wonder if you wear that wedding dress? And then he goes on and repeats the chorus. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. It's a great song, Charlie Peacock. I'll put the link up there, and um, you know, a musical note to uh, finish off uh, Second Peter. There, next week we're getting into First John. Yeah, oh, First, I Second, love Third, First John. <laughs> I have read that letter over and over again. Love it. Awesome, awesome. So keep on listening next week. It's going to be. Uh, we're getting. We're still in the New Testament mm. for a few more. A few more weeks. It's going to be great. Second Peter in the can. Very unusual way to finish this week's episode on Second Peter with a uh, soundbite there from Charlie Peacock. Big shout out to Charlie Peacock and uh, Nathan Tasker, the crew over there at Art House. 
in Nashville, Tennessee. Amazing music. We'll have some links in today's show notes. You can find those show notes over at thrivetoday.net.au. You can find the ways to contact us. And I'm asking uh, this week, if you're a fellow Charlie Peacock fan like me, then give me a shout out comment. I'm not, I can't be the only one. Also remember about sponsoring a prison subscription to the Thrive Daily Reading Guide. You can do that all over at our website at thrivetoday.net.au. Next week, First John. Let's get into it. Have a fantastic week. It's DJ here for Thrive Deeper. See you next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of Thrive Deeper. Matthew and DJ would love to hear your questions and comments about what you are reading in God's Word and in Thrive. The easiest way to do that is to head over to thrivetoday.net.au. Thrive Deeper is on Facebook. Just search and like Thrive Today page for all our latest news. Until next week, our prayer is that this podcast will inspire you to read God's Word and thrive.